Things Auburn Athletics. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of The Report Card on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Zach Card, and let's get started with some Auburn sports. First up, men's basketball had a pretty tough week last week. Uh, We went into the week ranked 15th, and now I don't know if we're going to finish ranked. As always, those rankings come out pretty much in the middle of the show, so we won't know until probably the last 15 minutes what we actually are ranked, if at all, uh, if I were in charge I would not put us ranked, and joining us in the studio right now is Daniel Locke, getting into some ba- some men's basketball talk after last week. I'll let you sit down, but as I was saying, we were 15 last week. I don't think we're going to be ranked anymore after our two tough losses, one to Texas A&M by 16 points and one to West Virginia by only three points. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, uh, no, I think we're going to be out of the AP poll. Um, only time will tell, but we'll, we will know probably by the time we get off the air today. Yeah, um, it always happens to be in the last block or two where they come out a little ahead of, ahead of time because it's normally one Eastern. Yeah. But, yeah, they normally come out right in the middle of our show, and actually. Honestly, I feel like if that Texas A&M loss just looked better, mm-hmm. um, we probably wouldn't fall out. We'd probably fall down around the twenty twenty two mark. But the fact that that A and M loss looks so bad, yeah, sixteen points is and it just was at, too much. At home, like also, like if that's on the road, I could see a, a scenario when we don't fall out just because so many top twenty-five teams lost this weekend. Right. But since we played so bad this week, we're going to be on the axe. I think yeah. it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, I we'll probably get a couple of votes, but oh, I don't sure. think we'll be in the top twenty-five. And to go along with that, Texas A and M lost. Lost a streak of most consecutive home win games. Yep. That's a brutal one. It is. And this is also, if we fall out, this is going to be, we just set a program yeah. record for 31 straight weeks in the AP poll. Kiss that goodbye. Yeah. The so, only active record we're holding on to is sellouts. Right. Consecutive right. sellouts. And, hey, if we keep losing all these other records, that yeah. one. Yeah, who knows if that will stay around for the whole season. I really hope it does. Me too. But I think, I think it will, just because our fans are so passionate no matter what. Is going on. You see it in football. Yeah. We sell out for a three win team in mm-hmm. the last week, but Texas A&M was just awful. Yeah. All around the board. Uh, we're no longer undefeated when Wendell Green hits a three. I said that last episode. <laughs> we were 16 and 0 uh, when Wendell hits at least one three. And then, of course, like commentators curse these two games this week, he hits a three and we still lose. Um, Tyrese yeah. Radford for Texas A&M. Kills us. Yeah, he tore us up. He thirty points, and then he had nineteen in the SEC tournament last year. He was a big reason why we lost against him last year. He just does what he wants against us. I actually wrote a column about this that you can find on um, Weagle ninety one point one FM dot com, where it compares <laughs> the rivalry between Bruce Pearl and Buzz Williams to something out of professional wrestling. So, really, yeah. If you want interesting read, if everyone out there wants to hear my take on just how much of a thorn in the side of Bruce Pearl that um, Buzz Williams has been, that that's up there for you to, for your viewing pleasure. But, yeah, this, this team, just if you think about it, since Bruce Pearl, I mean, since Buzz Williams got hired at Texas A&M in 2019, do you know Auburn's record against A&M? Have we won? No, we won once we won at home once. last year. Yep, we're one in four yeah. against the Aggies. That's crazy. Yeah, if you want to go back to senior night of 2020, mm-hmm. um. 
that team had won 22 games in a row. Um, that like obviously senior night last home game. It was the last game of the year, like at Neville Arena. They hadn't or Auburn Arena at the yeah, time. At they the time. hadn't lost right. that year. It was looking like it was going to be the first undefeated season at home for that team in a very long time. Yeah. Um, then you know they just it looked eerily similar to the last two times to where the team made a late push and like made it close at the end, but just they get down big to A and M can't quite get control back. Yeah. They just lose. So I wonder. I'm really nervous for that game in College Station in a couple weeks. Oh, me too. If we can't get it done in, at home, and that's our saving grace in front of the jungle, if we can get it done at home, I have a lot of concerns of doing it on the road against a team that beat us by 16 here. Yeah, and then just also this schedule's not getting any easier. Wednesday night you have Georgia at home, a team you've already lost to. Mm-hmm. Saturday you have to go to Knoxville. I'll say it here, kiss that goodbye. Yeah, loss. Then you have to go to A&M. I'm not going to say loss, but... That's going to be a tough one. Then you have the number two team in the country, your biggest rival, Alabama, coming in. Yep. Of these games that are like really tough, that's the one I'm most confident in, Alabama at home. Not Missouri at home? Oh, true. That, 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 the next one, those. Valentine's Day, Missouri's yep. at home. Then On going the road to at Vanderbilt, that should be a win. Should be. Yeah. You never know with this team. But you never know on the road in the SEC, it's always tough. Right. Ole Miss at home, that should be a win. Should if be. we lose that, that is a major cause for panic. Right. Uh, Kentucky on the road, no. We just, yeah, Auburn Rupp, doesn't win there. Yeah, Rupp is too. Especially Alabama late the, in the season. Yeah. Alabama on the road, no. That's going to be a tough one. And then Tennessee at home to close it out. I don't know why they would schedule that for senior night, but, you know. Well, isn't it always the last home game of the season, senior night? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a tough stretch, especially those last three games, on the road at Kentucky, on the road at Bama, and then we finally get back home for Tennessee. Yeah, Ooh. that could be that could very well be three, easily three top 25 teams. I think um, Kentucky's going to – actually, I don't think they'll be ranked this week, but I think they could be. They'll, they'll probably bounce back by yeah. then. They're definitely looking better than what they looked like a few weeks ago, losing to South Carolina. Right. Yeah, they uh, Texas A&M flat out beat us. West Virginia, we looked awful for three fourths of the game. Yeah, we made a big comeback. We were down by seventeen, and I think the second half it mm-hmm. came back uh, from seventeen down, made it a a couple point game. Jalen Williams had eighteen and five, good game from Jalen. Janai had fifteen and seven. So we had guys that were doing what they needed to do. Yeah, and a big thing with this one is. They got down, only being down one, and then yeah. they gave up a 6-0 run. Mm-hmm. So that's just a thing I'm seeing with this team. Is that, and it's the same with our women's team. Yeah. Like, they'll make it close, and mm-hmm. then they'll just give up a run. Yeah, it's like they lose the head of steam that got them there. Yeah. Like, you're on such a big run, you're like, okay, we got close, and they, like, take the foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. And you can't do it, no. especially when it's a one-point game or tied. Not at all. You can never take the foot off the gas in the SEC. No. Eric Stevenson for West Virginia torched us. Yeah. It was crazy to watch. He had 31, and he hit seven threes on us. Yeah, and a lot of people were, like, complaining about no adjustments being made. And I have to say, like, I have to agree. Like, they just didn't really switch up the way they were guarding him. Like, no. I get, like, once someone gets hot, it's very hard to slow it down. Right. But you've got to at least try. You've got to try sent, to make something happen. I would have sent doubles to him, put both guards on him, went and zap. Trap them in corners, you know, around ball screens. Do whatever you can, and it just looked like we didn't make any adjustments. That's a very good point. Jimmy Bell Jr. had 15-7, and seven, but honestly, if we're sending doubles to Eric Stevenson, I think Janai can do well enough against their big man. I don't see any problems in that. Yeah. But 
it was just it was a pretty frustrating game for three fourths of it. Katie Johnson, I might be turning on him a little bit. Yeah, I was a huge Katie Johnson fan last year, and going into this year, he plays with so much energy. It's so fun to watch, but he can't make a shot when he needs to. Sometimes. Yeah, I agree. Um, last year he was so prolific. You know, he would get you ten to fifteen a game. Uh, yeah. you, you could depend on it. Yeah. And a few threes. Mm-hmm. This year, watching him shoot from beyond the arc has been painful. It's awful. He either hesitates and then shoots it in someone's face when he shouldn't, or it's just I don't. Even, it just goes awry. Yeah. But I'll give him credit where credit is due. He almost won us that game in the last couple seconds with mm-hmm. the last second layup and then the steal on the inbound. We couldn't get a bucket off that possession where he got the steal. But it just seems like. And last year, he was so much better on the defensive end, averaging two or three steals a game. It's like we can't depend on him as much. And you've seen his role go down under Bruce a lot. Yeah. I think it's a good time for Trey Donaldson to step up. What about mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I think so too. And just with these guards, I feel like the first one who can be developed somewhat of a consistency from three-point range, I feel like you'll see get increased minutes. Yeah. Whether that be Zep, because last year in about – Early to mid-February when this team just could not hit a three, Zepp was the one who stepped up there. Right. And he saw his minutes go up. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of like a little less Wendell and KD and a lot more Zepp. So I feel like that's kind of something we're going to have to see here. I would love for KD to find his stride from three, but honestly, I don't know if you can afford to wait on it. Yeah. Alan Flanagan can, has shown that he can shoot threes. He's um, so inconsistent, though, yeah. and streaky. Alan, I love Alan. He plays a fun brand of basketball, very explosive type guy. But sometimes it just seems like he's not in the game. Right. He's just in another world, just happens to be on the court. Yeah. But moving on to this week, like you said, we kind of went through the schedule as a whole. But looking at this week, Wednesday we have UGA at home. We lost to them in Athens, so who knows. But in the jungle, let's get this home streak going again maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. Um this, that will be on SEC Network on Wednesday at 6 Central. And then this weekend, Tennessee. That one is a tough one. And that's really going to be a big test for our team. Yeah, that's when we're going to know really where we're at. Yeah. Um, Vescovi's still there. I feel like he's been there forever. Ever. Averaging 12.2 a game. Um, Phillips leads him in rebounds, 5.1. And Ziegler assists with 5.1. So it's it's very doable. The thing with them is they don't have one guy that really pops off at you. I mean, everyone knows Santiago Vescovi because he's the leader of that team. But they have yeah. five guys averaging over 10 a game. Mm-hmm. They spread it around so well. They're a very good defensive team. Steals, they'll push it on the court, up-tempo. We're, we're really going to see where we're at as a team in that one and then heading into Alabama the next week. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I'm interested to see how how Auburn comes out will be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Because um, normally when Auburn comes out hot, good things tend to happen. Right. Texas A&M kind of debunked that a little bit as mm-hmm. they got out to like a nine-two, eleven-to-two start, and then just completely fell apart. And after that point, never got control back. So it's a <coughs> excuse me. So this is the story of this whole team, and I feel like this is going to continue. It's just which team shows up. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't think all hope is gone. Because the 2019 team that went to the Final Four lost nine games. Yeah, no, I. we just have to get hot at the right time. Right. But it doesn't look good right now. No, but I'll take these late January, early February losses to make a deep run in March. 
like last year when we only lost like three or four in the regular season and then were one two and done in yeah. March, which was very, very like hard to swallow. Like yeah. all that momentum, all that hype, all that talent, like two first round draft picks, I think in first time program history. Yeah. And then you lose to a ten seed Miami. Who definitely was an underrated team. Very underrated, very well coached team. Yes. And we saw that. They outplayed us. But yeah, I mean it's all about getting hot at the right time. We got hot too early last year. Hopefully with a little uh hitting some some road bumps on yeah. uh this stretch. But hopefully we'll get hot. Then I like to do a little segment, I don't know if you know this, where I do my top three player power rankings. Okay. Just my favorite three players on the team. And it hasn't moved a whole lot. And I'm gonna be a little pessimistic this week. Normally I'm pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. Pretty upbeat. But, you know, two losses has me feeling a different type of way about these players. Uh, number one stays Jani Broom. Yeah. He stays on top. He wants to win. You can see that he's always he's going to be a guy that gets you at least 15 and 7. Uh, sometimes he doesn't know how to set a screen. <laughs> That's something to definitely improve on is making contact on screens and not just peeling off too early. But I can let that go. He, he brings it on the defensive end with blocks. He's very good timing. Number two, I got to go Jalen Williams. He moved up from three last week. He either shows up big in games, and we saw that against West Virginia, or he goes unnoticed, like we saw in Texas A&M. Um, but I've said it before, he plays a very fundamental brand of basketball. I like watching it as a basketball fan. And then number three, Wendell Green Jr., live by when or die by when at this point. He is so pivotal to this Bruce Pearl offense, the small guard, the small point guard. Bruce Pearl needs his point to play well he's the focal point of the offense when the point guard's not on the team's not on yeah um that's just kind of like you said that's the Bruce Pearl system and Mm -hmm. we've seen that with the best teams he's had like the Jared Harper and Bryce Brown teams where the offense ran through them right and when you have two guys who are small guards who are just lights out shooters it tends to work pretty well right but when your team struggles beyond the arc eh, that's when it gets a little dicey yeah it looks it looks a little different and I think we saw it a little bit last year when our two best players were big men. I don't know if Bruce really morphed the system to help them a ton because the yeah. ball still moved through when a lot. But we'll get into this first PSA break. When we come out, we'll talk a little bit of women's ball. You're listening to Weagle 91.1 FM, The Report Card. Stay tuned. Welcome back to The Report Card on Weagle 91.1 FM. Like I said before, we're going to get into some women's basketball. Last week, big win against Kentucky, 71-68. Kentucky's been struggling a little bit this year, but going to be honest, I didn't expect us to pull away with that. Our record moves to 12-8 and on the season and 2-6 and in conference. Aisha Koulibaly did what she does, had 20 points. She did. And then another one, Sanaya Wells with a season-high 16 points. That really helped. And honestly, Scott Grayson... After um, spending a little bit of time injured, starting to come back into her own with 12 points a game. So if this team can, if you can consistently depend on anywhere from 20 to 30 from Aisha Koulibaly, 15 from Honesty, and 15 from Sanaya, and give me 8 to 10 from Precious, and anything more than zero from Caitlin Duhon, I really like this team's chances in most SEC games. So... We didn't really see anything from Duhon. Yeah, only two minutes last game. Yeah, which I think she's been hurt a little bit. So she, um, hopefully tonight she's good to go and plays more. Precious Johnson is one of the best bigs, like freshman bigs, that this mm-hmm. team has. And 
I really feel like in a few years he'll be able to, to develop into one of the best women's bigs in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. She's definitely showing it at, at a small or young age, younger age, being able to get in there, get your eight points, get your three rebounds on pretty efficient shooting in only 16 minutes. But I'm going to go back to what you said about Koulibaly being able to get you 20 to 30 a game. That's a lot to ask. It is a lot to ask, but it's happening. It so, is happening. It game in and game out. It's happening. Yeah, she is definitely a, f- a focal point for this team. Um, the offense definitely runs through her. Coach Jay said it in the press conference last Sunday. Like we just got to get AC going. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if they can just you know get the ball inside, like forty of their seventy-one points on against Kentucky came from within the paint. So that's where the team plays the best. And get the beyond the arc shooting up a little bit. Second chance points were there. So this team does a lot right. Yeah, and another thing they did really well against Kentucky was steal the ball and force turnovers. They had oh, yeah. 11 steals on the game and forced 20 turnovers from the Wildcats. That's pretty hard to overcome if you're the other team. It do- it is because like that was I remember Auburn had 12 <clears throat> excuse me 12 points off turnovers, which <clears throat> if they didn't have that, they probably lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a three point game, every point matters. Yeah. Yeah, good win for them this week, three-point win. Going into next week, they have, or this week, they have Florida tonight in Neville Arena at 6 p.m., and then they move on to Arkansas, also in Neville, on Sunday at 2 Central. Those will be some, it'll be some games. Yeah. Well, some basketball will be played. Yeah, I definitely like Auburn's chances tonight against Florida. Florida's kind of struggling there. They're a lot like Auburn. They have a pretty similar record. Florida's 13 and 7, 2 and 5 in conference. Mm-hmm. Auburn's 12 and 8, 2 and 6 in conference. So definitely never say never for Auburn tonight. They're a 3-point favorite. I didn't even know they had lines for women's hoops, but that's awesome. I'm not surprised that they do, but I've never seen them. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so the over under is 141. I'm hammering the under. I don't think they're going to hit that. Yeah, 70 each basically. That's yeah. a that's a lot. I mean, they hit 139 against Kentucky. That's true. So, I mean, if we have some big offensive games and not 20 turnovers like Kentucky had last week, maybe. That's a good point. But And uh, Florida scores a lot. They average about 75 a game. Mm-hmm. So that's probably really um, moving this number up. But then looking at Arkansas, they are 17-7 and seven, um, on the year, 4-5 and five in conference. So they're definitely oh, – and they've dropped four of their last five, four in a row – Losing to Ole Miss 76-73 in overtime. Wow. And absolutely, on January 22nd, they got drummed 92-46 to by the South Carolina well, Gamecocks. South Carolina is the powerhouse of women's basketball right oh, now. Oh, yes. But if you look before South Carolina, they only lost a very good LSU team by three, a same team that beat Auburn by 30. Yeah. Um, both in Baton Rouge. So you just never know what you're going to get with this team because they've shown oh. that they can compete with the best – They've also shown that they can lose to the worst. Yeah. So, it being at home, that's always going to favor Auburn. Um, always going to be a pretty good environment in uh, Neville Arena. 2 p.m. on Sunday. Hopefully, a lot of people will be there. Right. A lot of people will probably be traveling back from Knoxville, so I'll impact it a little bit. But I definitely think Auburn has potential to win both these games this week and move the four conference wins. Will you be one of those traveling from Knoxville? Possibly. Possibly? We'll see. That'll be a game-time decision. Okay. Moving on to gymnastics, the ever-exciting gymnastics team. Moved down in ranks this year, uh, this week from 5th to 6th. 
but not a huge deal, beat NC State last week by a whole over a whole point, 197.175 to 196.125. Cassie Stevens, an unsung hero of this Tiger team, wins all around. Absolutely. Um, I covered this meet for my internship with the Observer, and in the press conference, what Je- Jeff Graber said something that's really stuck with me. He said, and I quote, Cassie Stevens has a perfect attitude. I'm a big fan of her. Mm-hmm. And he also said, like, she never gets the accolades she deserves because right. you're on a team with one of the best gymnasts in the world. Right. Uh, and also moving past that, some of the best collegiate athletes in the United States. So there's just a lot of competition on this team. But it was Cassie's night to step up and show out as SUNY wasn't participating in the all-around uh, nothing of concern there. Um, Coach Graba said she just needs some rest. Yeah, and when it's NC State and you're going to beat them by a point, might as well rest immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, no need to like waste that energy now when and you have Alabama on Friday night. I'll be there covering that for Weagle as well, if you feel so inclined to follow me on Twitter, <laughs> all of your updates. And then a week later, LSU, who is, I'm not going to say why, but one of the most popular teams in all of gymnastics. Yeah. So a lot riding on that meet. So you have two very big ones in a row, and if you can get two wins here, I think you're right back up in the top five. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Cass Stevens won vault. SUNY Lee won bars. SUNY Aria Brush and a girl from NC State, I cannot remember her name right now, shared the beam title, and then who else but Goldborn won the floor. Yeah. She got a 10 from one of the judges. It seems like a weekly tradition for her mm-hmm. to get at least 110. 110, on the 195. Yeah. Uh, but this team... Looks good. Sitting at 3-3, three and 1-1 three, one and one in conference. But you see a 500 record, you're like, ooh. But no, this 3-3, three and 1-1 three, one and one is not a bad yeah. 500 record. We played some. No one in the SEC is bad. Mm-mm. But to open the year, um, they went out to Vegas and had that tri-meet with Oklahoma, Michigan, and UCLA, who are three of the best teams. Florida also very, very good. Mm-hmm. Arkansas is very good. NC State's very good. Everyone you're going to compete against is good. You're right. There's no down weeks in SEC gymnastics. And, like, they close out the regular season with Penn State, who is a perennial Big Ten contender, along right. with Michigan. So even your non-con's not easy, which we're going to know before the tournament how what this team truly is. Because last year we didn't. Yeah, this year we're going to have a very big idea because we've played teams like Michigan and Oklahoma and then we'll play Penn State and Florida. So we'll know. We will. And especially the SEC Championship will be a huge one. That is actually in my hometown. Duluth, oh, you're from Georgia. Duluth? Yeah. Well, oh, I didn't know that. It's the next door town, okay. but Metro Atlanta is all the same. Yeah. Uh, I think where they're playing it, if it's where I think it is in Duluth, it's like 10 minutes away from where I live, oh, nice. actually. Yeah, I'm definitely planning on being there to cover that. It'll depend on what um, Auburn basketball is doing that day because that will be a tournament weekend. I think that'll be the first weekend of the tournament. Oh, yeah. Well, deep into March, March 18th is the day the SEC Championship takes place. Yeah. So, hopefully, this is the perfect scenario. Auburn's in Birmingham. They play on Friday. I can go up to go, or Thursday, or, yeah, no, play on Friday. I can go over to Duluth on Saturday, come back, cover Auburn on Sunday. If that happens, I can get all three. That's the perfect scenario right there. Nice. And we're going to run through these next couple. Auburn Sports, men's golf, still on top. Number one, like last week, didn't play. So, I mean, I would hope there would be no movement. But they have the Thomas Sharkey Individual Collegiate on Sunday, and that goes through Tuesday. Women's golf is ranked 19th. Also did not play last week, 
But next they have the Nexus Collegiate from February 13th to the 15th, so that's uh, two weeks away. Men's tennis, ranked 23, had a tough week this week. Uh, record falls to 3-2 and after being 3-0 and last week. Swept by Wake Forest, 0-4. Swept by Duke, 0-4. Uh, tough week for men's tennis, but they'll hopefully bounce back this week against Georgia Tech and College of Charleston on Sunday at home. And then rounding this up, women's tennis is very good. Uh, rank 11, record is at 3-1. and one. Last week they beat UC Santa Barbara 4-2. to two. And then yesterday in the championship of the ITA kickoff, they beat UCF 4-1, to one, and they'll actually move on to the championship, the ITA Indoor Championships, which is in two weeks from February 15th to the 13th at University of Washington in Seattle. But next week they have Texas Tech on the schedule in Texas Tech on Sunday, February 5th at 11 a.m. That'll be a good one. And hopefully, you know, keep rolling women's tennis. Yeah. I mean, they've gotten off to a hot start. Hopefully it continues and and bring something home this year. Yeah, that'll bring us to the second PSA break of today. You're listening to The Report Card on Weagle 91.1 FM. And we back. You're listening to The Report Card on Weagle 91.1 FM. This one is a little special segment. Uh, I'd like to give a special happy birthday to my dad. I don't know if he's listening out there, but happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, Mr. He, Card. <laughs> he is one of the big reasons I'm into sports right now. And so I thought I'd take the next 15 minutes or so and talk about his favorite teams. A little excuse for me to talk about my favorite teams, as I got them all from him. But <laughs> without further ado, let's get into the NFL first. Chicago Bears have the first overall pick, and I would say we don't look horrible. Nah. Like a normal first overall pick team would. We had a pretty good rushing offense. We led the league in yards. We were tied first in, t- in touchdowns. We were second in runs over 20 yards. And we were the best in runs of uh, over 40 yards. So pretty good rushing offense. If it were up to me, what I would do with that first pick, if I were Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, I wouldn't even consider drafting anyone at first. I would have my heart set. I'm trading back. I know the Texans want to jump up to first to get their guy. I know the Colts might want to jump the Texans to get their guy. With the Texans being at the second pick, it opens the door for so many other teams to jump up and grab Bryce Young that if I'm the Bears and I'm not taking countless phone calls a day about possible trade packages for the first pick, then I think I'm doing it wrong. I would agree because um, Justin Fields is good. Yeah. Um. You just got to get him some weapons. Right. So I feel like that needs to be a priority, a good receiver, some good alignment. Um, yeah. And you'll hear a lot of people talking on TV or on the radio about trading Justin Fields for the opportunity to pick Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever you think is the best quarterback in this draft. I just don't get it. I don't I, either. I don't understand why we would trade Justin Fields. He's probably the biggest reason we're that type of rushing offense. Mm-hmm. Because his ability to just create plays on his own, even when it's a passing play and everything breaks down. Because our wide receivers were not very good. Uh, corners were constantly locking them up. To be able to make plays with his feet, being able to run the RPO to a successful amount. I just don't understand why we would trade him. But yeah, we got to surround him with 
guys this offseason. We have the biggest cap room in the NFL. It's looking really good for the Bears. Yeah, it really is. There's a lot you can do here. And, like, I know it's easy to just look at that 3-14 and 14 record and be like, ugh, who would want to be that? Right. But I would be. Like, as a Saints fan, yeah. I would trade places. Yeah, the Saints look like they're in purgatory. Yes. And a couple teams are like that, where it's just like, ugh, like you don't have a good pick. Like the Broncos. Yeah. Don't have a first-round pick and don't look good at all. Yeah, like the Saints don't even have a first-rounder. Right. So... Being a Bears fan in this situation, I feel pretty good. And I've been around a lot of losing Bears teams. Yeah. This is probably the best I've felt after one of them. Sure. I would, too. Uh, going into the NFL draft, Mel Kuyper for ESPN dropped his first edition. I don't know if he's dropped his second yet of his mock draft. And I just want to go through the top five uh, because that's where the Bears will probably end up picking around. If it were me, I'd drop out of the top five for reasons I'm going to get into. But Jalen Carter... Pretty consensus number one all of a sudden. It was Will Anderson up until about a couple months ago. But I didn't see him do anything in the SEC Championship. And I didn't see him do anything against Michigan. Wasn't watch- I didn't watch the Natty. I'll be honest. I did not watch the National Championship. I would not put myself through that. So I don't know how much he really showed up. I'm sure he did. But he just hid in big games. I, I, when you're going to play in the NFL, it's, it's like the SEC on steroids. Like, the SEC is the best football conference. Yeah. But the NFL is so much better. Like, it's leaps and bounds. It reminds me of um, Urban Meyer's first game as the Jags coach. When yes. I they were playing, he's like, it's like you're playing Alabama every week. I mean, yeah. he's crazy, but he's not wrong. Yeah. It's, but with that, he's wrong with everything else he does. But. Yeah. It's better than playing Alabama every week. Um, Moving on through it, I, I said Bryce Young earlier. He's smaller than Kyler Murray. Yeah. If people are worried about Kyler Murray's size going in the draft, why are they not worried about this? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just I feel like it's just because he went to Bama. Yeah. Like, people just automatically assume that these guys are going to be great. I mean, look at Mac Jones. He had he was good last year. Yeah. But this year he started to struggle. Then another quarterback controversy between him and Bailey Zappi, which anyone thought Bailey Zappi – I know we're talking about the Bears. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, no, no, we can keep going. But anyone who, like – thought that Bailey Zappi was better than Mac Jones, like, long-term. Like, what right. are you doing? Right. That's just wrong. But C.J. Stroud. I'd say he's better than Bryce Young. I like him more than Bryce I, Young. I do, too. But he's not better than Justin Fields. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade Justin Fields and draft C.J. Stroud. Will Anderson is probably the only guy out of these five that I would take in the top five. I think he's better than Carter. I would probably draft him first if I had to keep the pick. But... If we're going to draft him, might as well trade back to four or five and get him. And then Will Levis, a guy, he just kind of came out of nowhere as a top five pick this he really year. He did. Uh, everyone's like, oh, he played in a pro-style offense, this and that. I just don't love him. He's got interception problems. Yeah. But I could really see him being Josh Allen-esque. I could too, because he can move. Yeah, he can move. He's a bigger guy. Coming from a pro-style offense already, he's got great arm strength. But he's not Justin. No, not at all. And I just could not take a chance on that. Will Levis probably has the highest ceiling out of the three, but he's got the lowest floor by far. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of Bears fans are hesitant um, to let the thing with Fields linger too long just because I feel like a lot of them feel like they gave Trubisky too much time and it kind of set him back. I get that. But Fields is better than Trubisky. Fields is better than Trubisky, yeah. and I can say that pretty confidently. I was a big 
Trubisky guy in the first couple seasons. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if it was him leading Nagy's offense or if it was Nagy pulling Mitch along. One of them was a problem, and one of them, I don't know. Maybe they both were a problem. <laughs> but, yeah, I could see the hesitancy to keep Justin Fields around after that. I don't even know what to call it with Mitch Trubisky. But that was the Bears moving on to the NBA. Uh, his favorite team is the Celtics. And Let's go. Same as you. So, And I feel like we could talk about that one for a while. Oh, yeah. Prime time against Saturday. This is a big topic of discussion in the sports world in general. Really got away with one against the Lakers. Oh, yeah. I That call was bad, but at the same time, in a regular season game, I don't think there's a need for you to throw a tantrum on the court. No, he – yeah, that was dramatic. Especially because, I mean, you still had five minutes to win the game. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you lost the game because of that. You're just going to overtime. And I guess you could say you lost the game because of that because you lost in overtime. But how about you win in overtime? Right. You have five minutes. Oh, and maybe not um, get a tech as soon as overtime starts by grabbing a reporter's camera and go showing the ref the call like he saw it. Yeah, that was funny. That was and hilarious. I, I think everyone has thought about doing that before. Oh, yeah. But actually doing it? Is crazy. That's another level of disrespect I have never seen before. Yeah, I just <laughs> and that just I feel like it really goes along with the culture of this Lakers team. Yeah, that they just think they are so much better than they really are, and that 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 warrants them to just be disrespectful. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't. Like, look at the Celtics, mm-hmm. a team who is hotter than fire right now. Yeah, best team, best record of the NBA. Other than Marcus Smart, one thing I like about the Celtics is they don't talk trash. Right. They're just like, you can do all the trash talk, and we're going to do the work, and we're going to win the games. Yeah, Marcus Smart is that guy. He's the, uh, what do they call it? They had a term for it in like the 80s, the enforcer. Yes. He's the guy that you send out there to talk the trash, to get the nitty-gritty plays out, to really be that body. And he's a lot smaller than the guys, like Bill Lambeer in the, in the 90s. Uh, but he's our enforcer. Everyone else is... I'm just going to go down, hit my shots, this and that, play basketball. Marcus Smart is the guy that is going to be the one to get in to the grill of the other guy. But he didn't play on, on Saturday against the Lakers. Robert Williams III didn't play on Saturday against the Lakers. So we had our two, I would say, our two best defensive players. Would you agree with that, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart? Because I, I could hear arguments Jason Tatum might be better than Robert Williams on the defensive end just because he's such a big star. But right. best odds to win the NBA championship this year, go to the Celtics. Banner 18 might be on the way. I hope so. I, I really hope so. It's been a minute since um, we've gotten a Celtics title. Right. But at least it's been in our lifetimes. True. Um, but well, I would I really six, love but... another one. <laughs> yeah, I was five, but... Uh, Jason Tatum looks like an MVP for years to come, too. Not just, this is not just a one-year fluke, in my opinion. I think he's building something to be a great all-time player. Yeah. Moving on to the NHL, Sabres, I believe. Uh, pretty, good, pretty good young core. Oh, yeah. Surprising a lot of people in the NHL this year. One of the more exciting teams, come-up-wise. They're on the uptick. Tage Thompson has proven to be a pretty good player. 68 points this year, 34 goals, 34 assists. Yeah. Happens to be split. In the Atlantic Division, they currently, if the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. The Boston Bruins have 81 points. Let's go. The Toronto Maple Leafs have 70. Tampa Bay Lightning, 65. Buffalo Sabres, 56. There's the cutoff there, but closely lingering is Florida Panthers with 54. Detroit with 50. 
and Ottawa with 49. So this this division is way more competitive than it was last year. Because last year the Bruins got in at the four spot. Detroit was behind them, but not right behind them. They're like 20, 15, 20 points back. But this year, like no, there are seven teams in the Atlantic that could grab that four spot. Yeah, and the wild card's still wide open too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabers are two points off of that first wild card spot, which is held by the Capitals with fifty eight points. Sabers are at fifty six. I think you said that. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins are right in front of them with fifty seven. So this is far from over. Oh yeah, this playoff push. Like, think- this is probably the most competitive the Eastern Conference has been since twenty seventeen. I'd say. Yeah, years. Yeah. And it's very exciting, but NHL, it's still January. Big push to be made until playoffs start in March? Yeah, in April. 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 And then moving on to the MLB, Braves, uh, he's from New York, so I might want to talk about the Yankees, but he said, he always told me he adopted the Braves when he moved down to Atlanta. Uh, extended Brian Snitker, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with that, you know. I don't have any quarrel with him as our manager. Uh, lost Nancy Swanson. That stinks. Yeah. Uh, but we've won the NL East five years in a row, so it still goes through us. Yeah, and with the way they have this core locked up, Acuna, mm-hmm. Albies, Riley, um, the catcher, the catcher. Uh, you've got Sean Murphy. Who is the catcher? Why can I not remember his name? Is it Sean Murphy? Maybe. I think so. Okay. They just signed him from the A's and extended yes. him. Yes, yes, yes. Olsen. Yes. Um, yeah, just locked Strider, up. Strider, Freed. No, not Freed yet. Probably soon. Probably soon. Um, you might get Soroka back at some point. Yeah. Michael Harris, like yeah. the stars on this team that are there to stay. Yeah. And it's just a lovable ball club. It's fun to watch. The one kind of eh thing I have with the Braves is the bullpen. But right. what team has a solid bullpen? No one. Yeah, not many. So I don't. I think they'll score enough runs to where that's not a big concern. So it should be a very another very good year for baseball in Atlanta. Yeah, I think so too. And that kind of wraps up our dad sports teams uh, for this episode. We'll get into the NFL Conference Championships of yesterday. We'll start with the earlier game, the NFC, 49ers versus the Eagles. Excuse me, a little more of a disappointing one. 49ers, as we all know, were on their third-string quarterback with a couple weeks left in the season, Brock Purdy. He goes down with an injury on the first drive of this game, and it's brutal. You have to send your fourth-string quarterback out there. And he didn't look great. No. He was getting, you know, little check-down completions here and there. Shanahan tried to do what he could to get him started, and then he goes down with an injury. And when you're sitting there, you don't have any more quarterbacks. So Brock pretty goes in, still got the elbow injury, clearly cannot throw further than five yards. It's a tough situation. It really is. And, like, there are a lot of NFL teams where the second-string quarterback never sees the field. Yeah. So Where it's an afterthought mm-hmm. who your backup quarterback is. Yeah, the fact that Brock Purdy even got out there. And I guarantee you um, Josh Johnson didn't think he was going to be playing this year. No, probably not. If you told him preseason that, hey, you're going to get a big-time Big minutes in the NFC Championship game, he'd probably look at you funny. Yeah. Like, in the regular season, he threw one pass. <laughs> um, I don't know when that would have been. Okay. He threw one pass versus Tampa Bay on December 11th. 
So late in the season. That makes me think like if it's just one pass, it might have been like a fake field goal or something like that. Maybe. I don't. I mean, they they won that game thirty-five to seven. So I don't not think close. You, I don't think you would have had need for fake field goals, but it makes me wonder if like there was a snap that went awry on like a PAT or something. Right. That I don't know. Or maybe they were just like let's throw them in at the end of the game. Yeah. Make sure Josh or Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt. Yeah. But the Eagles are rolling. Oh, they're they're hot. They've looked good from week one, and they still look good heading into the last week, Super Bowl week. They look great. Jalen Hurts is. Proving all the doubters wrong that he had this year. Miles Sanders had two touchdowns. Boston Scott had two touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell had a good game. Didn't have a touchdown, but led the Eagles in rushing for the game. Devonta Smith. Say what you will about that one catch that probably should have been overturned. Fantastic catch. Yeah. He's had a great season. This Eagles team, I just don't know when they'll stop. They're so well coached. They're good everywhere. Yeah. Um, Kansas City will be a tough test for them, but I really mm-hmm. feel like it's the Eagles to lose. I agree. I'm um, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little sick and tired of seeing Kansas City. I, I agree. Uh, but we'll get into the KC Bengals game after this quick little two-minute PSA break. You're listening to the report card on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to the report card. This is the final block of today. Like I said before, we got on the PSA break. AFC Championship, absolute classic. Uh, Bengals versus Chiefs. Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes in Burrowhead Stadium. It was a good game. It was a fantastic game. Went down to the wire. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked like he could barely walk at times. Joe Burrow sacked five times. Just a great game between the two. Patrick Mahomes had somehow over 300 yards. You could take one of his legs off, and I think he's still going to give you 200. Yeah, um, that was a big question in the Jacksonville yeah, Jacksonville game uh, last week. It was like, can he go? And he proved he can go because they ran over them, and then they beat an even better team. So, yeah, the Chiefs are looking pretty good. And this is supposed to be a down year for the Chiefs. Got rid of yeah. Tyreek Hill. That haven't looked as good as they've looked in years past, and they're still injured. Patrick Mahomes doesn't matter. We're going to the Super Bowl. Yep. It's crazy. Is Does that change the way other AFC teams look at the Chiefs? Like, oh, we can't even beat them on their down year. Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Like, do the Bills have to change something? Do the Bengals have to change something? Are AFC teams looking at something different? I feel like the answer for the Bills is different from everyone else. Because for the Bills, like you, you got to really look in the mirror this offseason. Because like this was supposed to be your year. You were the consensus pick to win the Super Bowl, and you put together a roster that was supposed to just be the best thing anyone had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they were good. I'm not going to take that away from them, but I never really looked at the Bengals or excuse me, the Bills the same way that I looked at the Bengals or the Chiefs this year. I just then everything that happened with Demar Hamlin, like yeah. that was supposed to, they they seemed like the team of destiny. Mm-hmm. But it was then, running the stars. Yeah, and then they just fell off. So it really like they got demolished by the Bengals at home mm-hmm. in the snow. Like, yeah, you can't dial that up any better if you're the Bills. Yeah, that's exactly what you want at home in the snow. It's like everything Buffalo craves. Yep. And you still can't do it? You get blown out, in fact? You get yeah. really beaten? 
Yeah, it's not like we're talking a 23 to 20 uh, game. Yeah. We're talking like three scores. Yeah, 23 to 20 where they win on a last second field goal. Yeah. It's you know, I don't know. I think these Chiefs have really changed the game. Where you put Andy Reid all time as a coach? I don't know. Is he up um, there, you think? If he wins, yeah, we can start that discussion, but as of now, like no, there are a lot of coaches that have a lot of success. So it's hard to put yeah. him up there just yet. But hey, if he wins, we can definitely talk about it. Okay. Yeah, and he is the all-time wins leader in Philadelphia Eagles history, huh. and he's one game away from being the all-time Chiefs leader in wins. Okay, never mind. He's up there. Uh, and that'll come in the Super Bowl. Eagles versus Chiefs. The That's nuts. Yeah. His two teams going against each other. He's playing to be the all-time wins leader in Chiefs history. He's already in Bengals history. Or not Bengals. Eagles history, excuse me. It's a pretty cool storyline for It really for is. Him. Um, I'm curious to see how that goes. I'm curious to see if he can kind of put that aside and coach a great game regardless like any other game or if that kind of gets to him. As experienced as, as he is and as much as he's won, it should be okay. But you got to think like the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, granted their O-line was – I don't think they had a single starting offensive line. Yeah, it was decimated. Um, but that was rough. And I don't know because the Eagles have a very good front seven. So it's going to be all about what can the Chiefs O-line do, especially if Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Uh, he's going to need a little bit more time than usual, and you're going up against arguably the best defensive line in the NFL. So I really feel like this one's going to show out in the trenches. I think so, too, and I think this two weeks for Patrick Mahomes will do wonders. Oh, I do, too. He'll get to just rest. I think he'll come back 100%. Because he didn't look that bad yesterday. No. And if you give him two weeks rest, I think he'll be fine. The only thing is, with two weeks, what – kind of game plans do the Bengals and the Chiefs put in? Like, how do they scheme? How do they do this and that? And we'll we'll probably see it through this week. We'll probably be able to talk about it a little bit more on Monday, next Monday, the week of the Super Bowl. But this is looking to be a pretty good one between two powerhouses. Eagles started off, what, 8-0, 9-0? Yep. Something. Uh, they started undefeated for a while, and they didn't look like they were going to slow down. And to see them – stay hot through the season. That's not something we normally see from a team that starts undefeated like that, especially one that comes out of nowhere. Like, the Eagles were not in my radar no, preseason. No, And maybe I don't know ball, but uh, they were not on my radar at all. But that'll be a very fun Super Bowl matchup, the Chiefs versus the Eagles in Arizona. That'll be a fun one. But that'll do it for that. Let's get into some pickums. Not very – not – a ton, so we'll start with men's basketball. Auburn versus UGA in Neville. Who you got and how much? Auburn's going to bounce back, I really feel that way, um, by about 10. Yeah, I was thinking Auburn by 12, 13. Double yeah. digits, but not too much. Yeah, not insane. Uh, Auburn at Tennessee, who you got and how much? Um, I would love to pick Auburn, and yeah. I think they'll keep it close. But I'm going to have to go Tennessee by about 5. I think that's pretty safe. Uh, I think Auburn... We'll keep it close for a while, for uh, you know, fourth quarter in quotation marks, end of the second half, probably fall off a little bit. I'm gonna go around eight to ten, Tennessee by eight to ten, and then not much to pick here. Uh, but we talked about a little bit in the draft earlier. So who is your top player in the 2023 NFL draft right now? So if you had to pick anybody, you didn't have you, you had every team need possible. 
Who do you think is the best player in the draft? Hmm. I'm going to have to go C.J. Stroud still. C.J. Stroud? Uh, if I have to build from scratch, I want to build the quarterback first. Mm-hmm. And I really think he is probably the best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. I agree, actually. Um, I feel like, like he's getting some discredit for what happened against Georgia. I feel like that's more the play calling there. And mm-hmm. obviously he's not the one who absolutely shanked that kick. Yeah. So... I still think it's C.J. Stroud. And then look at what Georgia did to another team, and the, like the team in the Natty. So, yeah, that, yeah, that wasn't even a game. No. So I don't, I'm still going with C.J. Stroud. I respect it. I'm going to go Will Anderson. I think I mentioned it earlier. But he could have been the first pick last year, and he came back again, and he's playing, like to me, a first pick this year. Uh, but I agree, like if I'm going to build a team from scratch, quarterback is a big, big need, but I also want edge rush. And so I got to go, Will Anderson. But that'll do it for us this week on the report card. Thank you, everyone, for listening on WEGL 91.1 FM. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the report card on WEGL 91.1. Tune in again next Monday at 11 a.m. for more Auburn sports. And for even more Auburn content, check out WEGLFM.com for our 24-hour live stream. See you next time on The Report Card.